Jones. Mike Jones, Solange tried to bring it back. Did she? Yeah. Is I it missed that. The number to call in to... 281-330-8004? Yes. To, like, learn, listen to little snippets of her album before she dropped it was that number. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know that. You did it? No. You gotta retweet it. I think I was just listening to Back Then Today, and I was just like... I still got these on. Where are you? Huh. I like... I miss Mike Jones. I wonder what he's doing. Yeah. I think he's probably enjoying his millions. By the way, while you guys were off before listening to us... We figured out that if one of us was Jesus, it would be Ashley. No, that's not what we figured out. <laughs> I would be Jesus, and Jada is my Judas. No. And I turn water into wine. None of that is what's happened. And we were discussing, like, how drunk Jesus would be getting people. Like, if I were Jesus, I would be, like, messing with people. Like, they, they're knowingly about to drink some water, and I'd be like, wine! It's and then wine! Yeah. they would drink the water, and it would be wine. However, she just had a dream that... We jumped off of a thing? No, we did not jump off of a thing. You locked me in a room to die. Okay, and that's why I'm Judas. That's and I would Judas. never lock her in a room to die. I would lock her in a room with a lot of food. <laughs> I don't know if you necessarily... <laughs> <laughs> and if it were foods, then, like, I feel like Jaina's kind of Judas would know, like, oh, well, this bitch could, like, turn water into wine. Let's let's leave her some cheeses and or, crackers uh, and meats. What's, what's that shit you ate? And salted meat Taco something what tacos you hate um you know torchies ah why would you do that anyway this is the pretty witty podcast I really betrayed. if you're joining for the first time this was awkward but um thanks for who we are and we're glad to have you back and we're sorry we're weird except we're not sorry because this is normal we are sorry we're a tad late but there's a reason and that announcement is coming later on in the show is it uh, about the thing the event oh okay yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna blame it on that like we're productive okay shit. most okay. of it's my fault but it's <laughs> one quarter that thing's See, fault this is why i'm jesus because i try to cover for dana so y'all would think we're productive and then she just judas i herself. am i did notice that you put other records in front of your michael jackson records i had to i felt really guilty after our last discussion and i was like because i'm looking straight at amy winehouse <laughs> all right we're just gonna go ahead and cut to I'm gonna start with dicks. Oh yay! <laughs> and by that, I just mean dick sporting goods. Okay. So <laughs> last week, dicks announced their decision to stop selling guns at 125 of their more than 700 stores. In for some context, in 2018, they tested this out by removing guns entirely from 10 of their stores. Sales at Dick's have been steadily declining as of late, down 3.1% for the fiscal year. Uh, fiscal year ended February 2nd, since CEO Ed Stack decided to remove all assault-style rifles and weapons uh, from all stores and prohibit the sale of any gun to someone under 21 years of age, which, of course, pissed off right-wing gun nuts. It's crazy that you can't... You can't... Right. You can... You, so you can be 18 and buy a gun? Yeah. I didn't know But that. not at Dick's. <laughs> so they've, went, they've gone from trying out not selling guns at all uh, in 10 stores to not selling guns at all in 125 stores. And they plan to continue to eliminate guns from their sales until they've reached all of their stores. They did see an increase in sales at their 10 test stores, which was really good um, because that means people that are not like 
gun psychos were making up for, you know, the decision that they made by like patronizing those stores okay. and stuff like that. So I hope that we continue to do that because um, they're like making a positive decision to remove first assault rifles and things and then like guns entirely. So it's, go dicks if you need a duffel bag go to dicks to buy it isn't it crazy that this is our good step while new zealand's prime minister basically decided <sighs> right, to get was like, rid of no more guns semi-automatic right. guns and people are like so this can actually happen apparently just not here and just not here because we are we're really into the amendments that benefit white people alone you know <laughs> after my 60th hour of binging Game of Thrones. I was thinking about guns. And if we're going to talk about ourselves as being like a nation that prides ourselves on the Second Amendment or Mm -hmm. whatever, protecting yourselves, I would rather protect myself with my bare hands. So, I think it's kind of like ironic that we hide behind bullets and casings when you could like literally just rip someone's throat out with Mm -hmm. a knife. Mm-hmm. I think we should move in that direction because at least I think that's a more fair way to fight. Like so you true. can't assault well, multiple people at a time with a knife. You, you have can. to you have to decide like these four people are the four people I want to kill. So we choose to hide behind weapons that are so cowardly because they take out so many people. It's like right. it's really pathetic. Like we're really like dweeby right now yeah. in the eyes of like the entire world. And when the Second Amendment was written, you had to load a gun like a floppy disk. So. <laughs> It's not the same. I started imagine you like, put, trying to put a floppy disk in. Like, you gotta press the button, the thing gotta come out, you gotta put the disk in the thing, it's gotta go back in. You gotta wait for it to load, you gotta wait for it to decide that it accepts it, and then you gotta strike a match. It's just a lot. There's a few things that I like to watch my sister do, because she's, like, so frustrated with things so easily. So, I think I'm gonna try and find, one, a place where she could insert a floppy disk, and two, a floppy disk. So that way I can watch her try and I accidentally just it. missed a f- mixed a floppy disk with the CD-ROM because the floppy disk you just shove into the fucking. <laughs> you, you just, you're right. You're talking. How dated we are. Same like same principle though. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, so I wrote Russian intervention 2019 on this, but I think this is just kind of like a, a mess. State of the Union address, <laughs> right. just so everybody can get like kind of a update on everything that's happening. So. As of our last recording, both federal and state prosecutors in New York and Democratic Democratic investigators in the House of Representatives are moving forward with many um, investigations, uh, such as whether Cohen was corruptly offered a pardon, Paul Manafort was also charged with real estate offenses in New York State, and more grilling of former acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker. So, uh, the new charges for Manafort are state level, so... Even though it's not a lot of time, if he gets a presidential pardon, then he will still have to serve time. So, there's that. That's positive. Um, Just the Whitaker stuff, I feel like, kind of got pushed into the background of things. As you guys remember, former acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker was brought on, even though he had stated fully and outly that he didn't agree with Robert Mueller's special investigation, um, which he's not supposed to do as Attorney General. Right. But... This week, he suddenly exited the Justice Department um, just weeks after they announced he was to take on a new role. We don't know why he departed, uh, but questions have arisen about certain aspects of Whitaker's testimony on Capitol Hill in February, particularly about his contacts with President Trump uh, regarding ongoing investigations. So, 
in December. CNN reported that Trump had twice lashed out at then acting acting Attorney General Whitaker about Michael Cohen, complaining about Cohen's plea deal with Mueller, and again about uh the prosecutor's pursuit of the hush money investigation related to payoffs to women alleging affairs with Trump. However, in his February testimony, Whitaker claimed that Trump never asked for any promises or commitments concerning an investigation. But the New York Times soon reported that Trump had in fact called Whitaker to ask whether the U.S. attorney uh, for SDNY, Jeffrey Berman, who had recused himself from the hush money investigation, could be put back in charge of it. Mm. So basically Whitaker lied. They're checking on that shit right now. So it's just very interesting because... um, even though Matthew Whitaker has no hair, I feel like if it what if he did, it would be very large and full of secrets. So I guess we'll figure that out. So I guess we will. So. Okay. Um, just a quick update on this whole declaration of emergency thing. Um, Trump, of course, declared a national emergency because people are trying to seek refuge in the United States of America, and that upsets him. So the Senate rejected Trump's border emergency declaration. A dozen Republicans joined Senate Democrats, so I guess yay for them or whatever, uh, last week to overturn Trump's declaration of a national emergency. Doing so because uh, declaring a national emergency was an attempt by Trump to circumvent Congress for um, money to build a wall that we don't need because there's not an emergency where people are trying to get into the country. If they are trying to get in here, it's not because we're awesome because we're not anymore. Nope. <laughs> like, nope, nope, it's because nope. they're seeking actual refuge. But anyway, um, they blocked it because this is the first time a president has abused the ability to use the National Emergency Act of 1976 to spend money on something that Congress has denied spending for. Uh, And this is just sort of unprecedented. And Republicans' reasoning for this is, of course, you know, well, what if Democrats want to do that? What if Democrats want to say when a Democrat uh, president is elected that, hey, they want to declare a national emergency for something that matters to people on the left, and that's their sole reason for stopping it. But uh, this opens the door to uh, Trump vetoing their um, rejection, which will be interesting. And he does plan to do that as he tweeted. I think he just tweeted the word veto in all caps, which is super <laughs> presidential. So, uh, <laughs> right? so we're, we definitely haven't seen the last of this. Uh, but just a quick update on how quickly this entire country is going to hell in one handbasket. Well, you know what? I think we should call this since, like, how was it? it catastrophe! Chaos! It's a catastrophe! <laughs> Discord! Whoa! <laughs> I think we should name, like, if we have any reoccurring information coming from the White House mm-hmm. that doesn't have to do with the Russian investigation, we should call it State of the Onion. Because <laughs> every, everything be coming out, it sounds like an sounds Onion like article. something from the Onion. <laughs> no, it's true. State of the Onion! Like, Eddie Murphy would say the trick. Let's do that. Onion. State of the onion. Okay. Great. But that will go to Pretty Petty Report. All right. So I'm going to talk about something a little bit complicated. Okay. Um, and something that I think kind of has affected us, particularly with our friends. Yeah. So cash money bail. Cash money hoes. So the ACLU is suing Philadelphia over cash money bail practices. According to the federal law and Pennsylvania statutes, there are two reasons for money bail, right? One's to ensure the safety of the public, 
or to prevent a defendant from fleeing. The Constitution forbids excessive bail, and according to legislation, bail amounts are not intended to, nor should they reflect the seriousness of the alleged crime or any other aspect. It was set up that way because a lot of people don't have money, but then excessive amounts came abound. So last week, they sued Pennsylvania's Supreme Court for violating rules regarding bail money. The complaint alleges that Philadelphia arraignment court magistrates disregard the rules on pretrial resolution by setting unreasonably high money bail amounts with no regard for the law. I just, oops, gross. (coughs) Here's what the letter stated. They stated, first, judicial district bail commissioners routinely set high bail amounts for people who they know are indignant. Despite the constitutional prohibition, I cannot talk today, I've been drinking whiskey, against excessive (laughs) bail, commissioners do not assess the ability of accused citizens to pay bail amounts or look for non-monetary solutions for pretrial release. The court assigns high bail amounts for serious charges, regardless of the defendant's risk of flight or danger to the community. Defendants are often barred from speaking during bail hearings, which last an average of 2.3 minutes. 2.3 minutes to figure out if you're going to stay in jail or not. Wow. Public defenders do not have an opportunity to consult with their clients before or during hearings. I want to quote Reggie Shuford, the executive director of the ACLU of Pennsylvania, explaining that they observed more than 2,000 bail hearings in recent months and found that bail magistrates were regularly violating rules intended to prevent the criminalization of poverty. So, if we need to put two and two together... The reason why this is a problem is because the amount of people who are getting arrested and the amount of people who are staying in jail because of excessive bail amounts are disproportionately people of color. Because disproportionately, people of color do not have the money to pay for bail amounts when they're set that high. And even if they're set that high, most families and most income levels and households don't don't break the ridge of $45,000 per month. So if you have an excessive bail amount, if your bail is set at $75,000 and you have to pay $750, am I doing that right? Is that 10%? Yeah. If you have to pay $750, a lot of people can't afford that because they live paycheck to paycheck. Uh-huh. I don't have, and most people don't have, enough money of emergency funds to be able to fund going to the hospital in the emergency room for like a day, let right. alone $750 for bail. The problem with this also comes that the people that are left in jail are too poor to be to be able to get out, and then they're missing work, and they're unable to be able to work and get the hours that they need, and a lot of times people work hourly jobs, mm-hmm. so then they lose their job because they're stuck in jail because they can't pay for it. They can't make money because they're stuck in jail, and they can't get out because they don't have the money to pay for it. Yeah. And like I said, disproportionately, this affects people of color because these are the people that are mostly arrested, and these are the people who fall in these low-income households. Therein lies the problem. Right. Especially because if you're stuck in jail for a $750 bail for a ticket violation. Or some other bullshit. A nonviolent offense, it's kind of like, well, why are you using bail, cash money bail uh, procedures when it's not necessary? We're not talking about people who are raping and murdering. We're talking about people who sped past a stop sign one time. So, But what color were those people? (laughs) It's really fucked up. 
Um, in February, the Philadelphia City Council passed a unanimous resolution calling on the District Attorney Larry Krasner to end the practice of using money bail as a means of pretrial detainment. Even though the resolution had no legal weight, it highlighted the need for pretrial reform. If we want to put this in perspective, let's um, since we're doing this pop down the pipeline talking about legacy admissions, that's why we haven't talked about the college uh, scam yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aunt Becky bu- bullshit. <laughs> right. Their bail was set, I believe, at a around I want to say was it 500,000? I feel yeah, and hers for sure was $500,000, um but I think Felicity Huffman's was closer to a million or something like that. All right. So like if her bail was set at $500,000, then it's $5,000 for her to get out of mm-hmm. jail. She got that. We know that because she paid $500,000 for her kids to get into USC. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is, she was out of the country before she got here. You had her pay a $5,000 bail, and if we're talking about bails being set excessively high because of flight risk, this is a flight risk. Mm-hmm. So, this, if you need to set it excessively high, it's for people like this. Now, the problem comes in where people are getting the same amount of cash money of bail amounts, $500,000 for nonviolent offenses and there's right. no way in hell they can afford the $5,000 to get out of jail when it's them, you know, doing some theft right. or, you know, breaking and entering things that didn't hurt anybody's that's the issue. Right. Um especially when there isn't any like you can't you only got 2.3 minutes for this decision to be made. Your attorney can't say anything on your behalf. There's no time for you to talk in this pre-child motion. So you can't explain, hey, I have a job and I can't miss two or three days of work, but I right. also can't afford to get out. I will come to the trial date. That's mm-hmm. what's set on my docket. But what am I supposed to do here? But like, what am here? I supposed to do here? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're basically jailing you for being poor. Yeah. It is a literal trap. <sighs> and it's frustrating. So... This is important because cash money bail practices are all over the country. A lot in Texas. I mean, we've all seen the commercial. Co- dial 777-7777. So um, if this lawsuit goes through, then we could possibly be seeing some changes made at the same Supreme Court le- level if it's taken that high, mm-hmm. which it needs to. It needs to happen. If we're going to fix the criminal justice system, then this is the place to start. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, see? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You don't see? Yeah. Yeah. Put them up. You haven't seen Cats Don't Dance. <sighs> I haven't? Yeah. You yeah, have? Oh, never mind. I literally watched it with you. Oh, that's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to think of the other thing I told you to watch. So I'm trying to get Jane to watch Game of Thrones. So judgmental. Too. I am. Yeah, meow, meow, meow. Meow, shoo. Okay. Okay, we're done. <laughs> so, I'm going to talk about the census, which seems super boring. I know it does, but just stay with me for the next three to five minutes. Okay. So, the census every 10 years has this massive task of counting all the people in the United States and recording basic information about them, such as their age and their sex and their race and their socioeconomic status and blah, 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 blah. Like, who needs to know all this shit? Well, <laughs> turns out the United States government does because they use that information to make really, really crucial, crucial decisions about shit that does affect us. So it helps with equitable distribution of public funds like those for public schools it helps with um information that goes toward deciding how many people represent your county or your district or your state in elections 
it goes toward a lot of things that, you know, get money, even though they're not sending that money directly to you. So I was never like that into like, I got the census before and I filled it out. But the only reason I filled it out was because I'm a dork and I like to fill shit like that out because I enjoy boxes and bubbles. So I fill things out <laughs> and then I send them back to whoever sent them to me because I just liked scandrons. <laughs> but uh, the further we descend into the hell that is the United States of America, the more important it becomes. Yeah. Because, as of late, Donald Trump and his team of gremlins have decided that they want to put a citizenship question Mm -hmm. on the 2020 census. So that seems innocent enough at its face. Like, you could be thinking, oh my god, they want to use this as a tool to go and get people that don't live here from literally wherever they are. Yes, that's true. But also, they want to use it against the rest of us. Wait, there's more. There's more. If you're black. So, the, Donald Trump's, you know, team, I guess. I want to find, a, like, a different word for that pack of losers. Legion um, of Doom. Thank you. Donald Trump's Legion of Doom. They're not as cool as the Legion of Doom, so why don't we call them the Legion of Don't? I don't know. Let's do that. Legion of Dork. The le- No, I'm a dork. Okay. Let's call them Legion, Legion of Don't. Okay. So, their Legion of Don't wants to include this in the U.S. Census to discourage people who are undocumented from counting themselves, right? Because, like, if somebody, if you were undocumented and somebody sent you mail that was like, please let us know if you're undocumented, given the history of this country, you would not fill that shit out. This is some low-key dehumanization shit. Truly. (laughs) But when that happens, people that are in um, states and counties and cities that typically have um, not as great socioeconomic status as those who have like bastions of white people who are upper middle class. I love that word. Don't <laughs> bastions. Bastions. <laughs> don't count themselves, then they don't get the same amount of votes or public education funds or judges or public lawyers or any of those things that federal funds help to pay for right. that they would get if they were counted. So this is a literal trap. It is. <laughs> like, this was, I don't consider Donald Trump a smart person. I know no. he's not a smart person. He is an actual idiot. He can't spell hamburger. I can't believe I didn't know the word dotard before all this start, started happening. Right. So I'm thankful for that. But, the, but there are, like, people that work for him that are masterminds of evil. Yes. And they are the ones that are coming up with this shit. And they know that if you don't submit anything for the census, you are not counted. And thus, the very place where you live and lay your head will not be given the proper representation in the United States of America. And that is diabolical. Oof. It is just chilling the way that works so i don't have like a solution to this or whatever like i don't want anybody to put themselves out there and be like i'm undocumented for the sake of the census just to be like held up in your own home two months later but i guess people should be informed about this because what the fuck (laughs) it's just insane and i just 
In the 2000 census, 281.4 million people were counted in the United States. And all of that went to decisions like the Electoral College and public school funding and yada, yada, yada. And I think if you are a citizen of the United States, I guess my message would be like if you're documented, I guess my message would be to just go ahead and fill this shit out Mm -hmm. so we can get our coins and go about our business. Um, not that they won't find a way to not give us our coins, but you know, the more difficult you can make it, the better, but it's just really ridiculous. And I don't, don't even know what to do or say anymore because it is a system that was built to be fair that they have bicycled backwards to make it unfair. Ooh, that's a great imagery. <laughs> it, okay. So maybe I'll give some good news. To okay, good. That. All right. So Stockton, California say. Uh, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I like it. Sure. Um, they're doing an experiment with guaranteed income. Guaranteed income sounds like an oxymoron because in this country. Truly. What does that mean? So this week, more than 100 Stockton residents, residents will receive $500 debit cards in the mail as an experiment of guaranteed income to help alleviate poverty. Poverty. So they're just getting a free $500. Um just some things for you to know. Stockton has a 28-year-old male mayor. Um, they have a male. <laughs> but Is then, the mayor male? Yes. Okay. Go um, Michael Tubbs. <laughs> he's black. And he said, I took the step to, be, to do the pilot and to be the first intentionally. As someone who grew up in poverty, who moved up to the working poor, I knew there are a lot of tropes around poor people that are just not true. He said, yep. I thought I would trust no one else to tell that story and elevate that than myself. So, if we're going to talk about stereotypes, the stereotype is if you give people money without expecting them to work, they're just going to go out and buy a bunch of frivolous shit. Mm -hmm. Um, TVs, what say you, not things that they need. And people who are also poor perpetrate this shit. Yeah. I don't understand. And it's unnecessary because for poor people, often having, even if they did get this money and most likely will go to bills uh, because that's how I see it as someone who is a working poor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But even so, the alleviation of having some kind of money that can be for something recreational is a stress reliever that affects the like the way you work, the way you do things, the way you behave. Mm -hmm. And we don't recognize that as a society enough. Yeah, we don't. Like, I just think back to, like, I love my mother, but she's always had to hustle. And when she, like, I'm just thinking when she lost her job of, like, a couple decades back when I was still in school, mm-hmm. like, she just couldn't, she didn't know what to do. And she felt so guilty that she just didn't have the funds to be able to give us something easy, like going to the movies on the weekend because mm-hmm. of how expensive that it had become. But then when she finally, like, was able to get extra money, like, it totally changes things. Mm-hmm. And so even though $500 is not a lot, to be honest, mm-hmm. it is a little bit that can help. And it can help relieve those stereotypes because we're going to see that people that get this extra money, even if they've already, they make enough just to pay their bills, like having extra money for food on the table, yep. for recreational activities, for uh, to save for a rainy day because you never know what's going to happen. Hello, oh. pop tire. Then it changes things yeah and that's what they're trying to experiment on especially because 
the far right loves to throw around the word socialism and equate it with being a bad thing. Right. Um, I have no qualms with helping out my fellow man. If I don't either. If I could do something to help someone who doesn't have a home or who doesn't have a car yeah. or something to help them. I like, think everybody should be survive. able to like be alive and live in a home and eat. I think so. Call too. me crazy. I don't think there's anything wrong with ha- making sure everybody has access to like, a doctor without you know having to give up their own. Yeah. Legs and arms. That doesn't mean everybody gets a Bentley, which is right. what they seem to think it means. But, like, we should all be able to be healthy and okay. Right. So, Stockton will be one of the first cities in the U.S. to run this trial, and it will continue on for 18 more months. Money will go to a small group of randomly selected residences where median income is at or below $46,033. And... Um, funding from this is coming from a few groups that are federally backed, um, and a few civil rights groups that just want to see the results of this type of experiment. Um, the experiment is being watched closely. It's already being raised in the 2020 presidential campaign. Uh, tech entrepreneur turned candidate Andrew Yang, which gave the weirdest support for non-circumcision is offering to give away a thousand <laughs> of his own money every month to two families fittingly located in iowa or new hampshire so whether or not this works um whether or not automation causes job losses in the future mayor tubbs said the time is right for his experiment one in two americans can't afford one five hundred dollar emergency same folks are working two or three jobs yes he mm-hmm. said, we need to do more to shore up our economic foundation. I totally agree with. So, Same. Uh, whenever I have an update on this, I'll give it to you guys because I'm curious to see how this works out myself. I absolutely believe it'll show the things that I think, which is that it's, um, and what they've already seen from the results is that people are happier and happier people are more productive. And um, working out gives endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. Happy people just don't shoot their husbands. <laughs> Shout out to Legally Blonde. Right. <laughs> Which means the crime rate will go down. So there you go. That's the best. Yeah. So we'll see how this goes on. I, one, I hope Austin does it and I'm one of these randomly selected people because I would like a random $500. Yes, please. <laughs> like, I just, I don't know. It, I'm in one of those situations at this point where, where it's like, if there's an emergency, I can't help myself. I'm dead. If I <laughs> fall and break a hip, I am It's dead. cheaper to die. And at this point, like, I mean... Not that I'm suicidal or whatever, but just, like, if it's so expensive that it's going to be, like, too much for me to get out of a hole to be able to stay alive, I'm fine. Let me go. I'm tired. <laughs> I a good life. Yeah. Velar Magulis. <laughs> I've done my 30 years, baby. If this was 500 years ago, I'd be dead already. So, I'm fine. Anyway, um, in news that I feel like everybody already knew in the back of their mind, but hadn't heard via someone with a microphone teens and young adults are in the midst of a unique mental health crisis and they are more depressed than any generation in modern history (laughs) really (laughs) yeah so if um there's a study that came out recently that found that rates of depressive episodes and serious psychological distress have dramatically risen among these age groups in recent years while hardly budging or even declining for (laughs) older age groups. Jean Twenge, 
Uh, I think I'm saying that right. I mean, there's no other way to pronounce twinge. A 47-year-old professor uh, published this sort of pop science book laying out her central argument for teens and young adults coming uh, that are coming of age that are especially lonely or disconnected, thanks in part to social media and shit like smartphones and just kind of the way we live now. Her book is titled iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. So a lot of the parts of the book were kind of stupid. <laughs> like there are things that we have adapted to learn to do that our parents did differently. Okay. For instance, we don't write checks as much as our parents did we because don't. we have those things called debit cards and the internet where we don't need to write checks. That doesn't mean that we can't budget. It just means that we don't write checks. Yeah. So those things don't really make sense. But the part where she's talking about like the, the fact that we weigh ourselves so much and so often against the lives of other people because of what we see is valid like a couple of generations ago you could feel depressed about your life because two people that you knew were doing to your mind better than you were now you can go on the internet and find any number of people who are doing better than you are right. for your age or socioeconomic status or popularity or whatever it is that you hold dear like near and dear to you you're always so, connected yeah and it's it's an easy thing to say to be like oh, well, everybody's trying to get somewhere and no matter how high you climb, there's somebody that's doing better than you. And that's very true. But it's a more difficult thing to say in the face of all of this shit that you see. Like, people are like, no matter what you want to achieve, there's somebody that's already done it and they are exactly two and a half years younger than you. And that's just, it can be depressing sometimes. Yeah. So Twinge and her team looked at data from the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, a nationally represented representative survey of Americans' lifestyle habits. In total, they looked at more than 600,000 Americans across different age groups who took the survey from 05 to 2017. Between those years, they tracked the rate of reported episodes of major depression and serious psychological distress measured by how people responded to questions such as whether they felt so sad or depressed that anything that nothing could cheer them up. They also looked at rates of suicide-related outcomes, uh, such as how often people thought about suicide, formed plans to carry it out, and actually attempted it. For nearly all age groups over 18 years of age, the rate of severe distress experienced in the past month rose between 2008 and 2017. 2008 was the first year that they tracked it. Uh, but this rise was much more dramatic around between like young adults. In 2008, for instance, 5% of adults between 30 and 34 experienced serious distress, while 6.5% of that same group said the same thing in 2017, which is a 33% jump. <laughs> Meanwhile, just over 8% of 20 to 21-year-olds experienced distress in 2008, compared to 14.4%, which is a 78% jump in 2017. So we're sad. <laughs> yes yes we are and that's that's that <laughs> i have to think how like we function <laughs> like yeah as i drink whiskey whiskey on a tuesday yeah i mean i i do that shit all the time like um one of the people that like i'm friends with but i don't know that well who is younger than me got engaged recently and i saw it on instagram and i was like jesus <laughs> like <laughs> 
Oh, I was planning to do that at some point. Am I unhappy because I'm not engaged? I didn't feel like I wanted to be engaged until I saw this. And now I'm like, maybe I do want to be engaged. Maybe I do want to be married. What the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> like, it's a weird spiral to go down. And it happens with a lot of shit. It does. And I, then also there's the fact that we think that we cover it up way much better than we actually do. Right. Like, you clock me on my shit all the time. I can clock you on yours. But I always feel like, oh, I'm probably doing a good job. And right. And your boss is like, what's wrong with you? Right. Fix your face. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what? I was doing a good job. Like, wherever you are is fine, but that's just not the culture uh, anymore. Lord. If I ever win an Academy Award, it's probably going to be in my speech. Like, I don't know if I was going to be here a few years ago, but hey, thanks for giving me this Oscar. Thanks for this. I'm going to put it on my mantle in a house I still can't afford. (laughs) And with that, we go to a break. Tired of wearing the same boring jewelry? Well, worry no more because Terry K Accessories has jewelry for all of your needs. Terry K Accessories is always fabulous, always fashionable, and always $5. That's right, folks, only $5 plus tax. With new styles added daily, you can shop anytime and look like a million bucks without breaking the bank. Find that perfect pop of color, fall in love with a new statement piece, or step out of your comfort zone and try one of the hottest trends of the season. The choice is yours. Visit www.shopterryk.com to shop her lead and nickel-free collection. Join the exclusive VIP Facebook group, Terry K Accessories, for prizes, deals, and more. Again, that's www.shopterryk.com. Join the Facebook group now and tell them Pretty Witty sent you. Now, back to the show. What's that? Hello. I'm going to rewatch... I haven't watched Scary Movie or its sequels in a long time. How long? I want to say like over four years. Oh. I think it's longer, but it's been a while. Okay. But yeah. That's That's been enough time for you to like reabsorb it. I felt like it would still be funny. Yeah, it would. When was the last time you watched it? Um, I just, I watch it when it comes on TBS, so probably last Halloween. Oh, I, oh, I forgot about TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm living in this cave called Game of Thrones. Uh, I know. If you haven't rewatched by now, this is my third one. My third time on the Night's Watch. Then you need to do it now. It gives you enough time to do it before the show comes on again. I and- just realized you tell me to watch the show that you work on. Less than you tell me to watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> like you literally work on a TV show. I love my job. Yes. <laughs> I love, I almost said it, I would have gotten in trouble. I had to like, I had to, after we recorded that last time when I said everything, I went back and deleted it. Yeah. Like, Just in case. Let me not fuck up. Yeah. I, you know, I love it. And I you know, know you love your job. And you know, like the original is one of my favorite TV shows. Mm-hmm. That, sh- that alone should express why you should watch Game of Thrones if I'm telling you to watch our like number one competitor, if they're, if, if Game of Thrones even has a competitor. It's so good, Jada. And this is besides the problematic shit. This is besides, you know, all the rape. That's the other thing. Like, I have depression. I gotta watch shit in between the shit that I'm watching that's not happy. But don't Which you... is why I like sitcoms so much because I don't need to do that. But don't you understand that there is power in watching, like, I'm so desensitized to blood and gore 
at seeing someone like rip someone's throat out or like shove a shove a sword right through the middle of their chest, chop off a head. That empowers me because it doesn't appeal makes, to me though. I think <laughs> there's fucking dragons. There's dragons. I love dragons. There's Jason but I Momoa riding a horse. I don't even think he's and, that hot. It's just so much political play. I think you love it mostly for the political play. And Peter Dinklage is a gem. He's in a new podcast. What's it called? Uh, <laughs> it's called the Ron Burgundy Podcast. He's on that one? Yeah. Am I, am I listening? I'm not. I refuse to listen to that shit. <laughs> I love, absolutely not. But he is on it. I love Peter Dinklage. I love Peter Dinklage, but I, I do not love Will Ferrell. <laughs> I need you to watch this show. Oh my god. If you watch this show, I promise to never cry about my ex-boyfriend ever again. Deal. I will suppress my tears. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't gonna do that shit. <laughs> I know myself. I'm a weak little bitch. Alright, let's go to Consumer Review. Oh my god. First time I'm not reviewing a TV show. Surprise. You are. <laughs> I know, yeah, I am. I'm actually going to review a product, the Samsung Galaxy S10. She's holding it in the air, y'all. I am. You guys don't understand. I've had like the most annoying crack of my screen for my phone for like the past year. I often say I should not be trusted with children. How am I going to have a child if I can't take care of a phone longer than a year? <laughs> because, ugh. And, like, I messed up my screen and it was, like, bro- it was cracked right at the spot where your home button is. So I'd often swipe on that. And I would always cut my fingers. Mm. And I would always get cuts on my fingers, which then I had to think about. It was, like, finger cuts hurt. So whenever in movies and TV shows when they have to, like, prick their finger with a knife, why do people do it on their, f- like, right at the tip of their fingers? That's stupid. Because most of the nerve endings are there. Why not just do it in the middle of your hand where it's not going to hurt as much? I don't know. This is, these are the things I think about when I'm not sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> so, this, let me rewind. I'm reviewing the Samsung Galaxy S10. Yeah, I don't know if you said it. <laughs> Got on a rant. My bad, guys. Uh, so, right when my phone started fucking up, right when the charge was not taking... Right when it was acting a fool in all sorts of places, of course the pre-order came out for yeah. the Samsung Galaxy. That's how it goes. Ugh, they get you. So I got one, and they got me. I have the. I don't know why I keep holding it in my hand like you guys could see me. <laughs> I have the S10e, which is the smallest of them because this phone is ridiculously expensive, and that's part of my review is that it is so pricey. Um, <laughs> It doesn't need to be this pricey. Mm-hmm. I can see why it is this pricey because of the, some of the features that I'm about to talk about, but it is expensive. So I have the S10e, which is a little bit smaller than the S8, which is what I had before. That's what you, I have. You have now. So if you want to, yeah. while I'm talking, if you want to compare, it's like a couple... It's maybe like a centimeter smaller. But it's a little bit fatter because it has an infinity screen. Yeah. <laughs> and the infinity screen is a really good selling point for this phone. Uh, it does make a difference, especially since I've had to be, like, in cars for hours just driving around for my job. Where's the fingerprint thing? Oh, it's on the, the right side. So, it's the button. <laughs> it's the button. The button is yeah. the fingerprint thing? I'm actually going to talk about that. Shut the fuck up. I'm proud you brought that up. Thank you for that one. <laughs> So, um, being in a car for hours that I'm not driving, I, and also having to do this 
rewatch of Game of Thrones that I have no business doing right now. I having the infinity screen mm-hmm. is just it's the screen and the speaker. It feels like you're watching a TV show at home. <laughs> I will say that it's so cool. and I have the smallest version. I can only imagine on the 10 and 10 plus. It probably looks really yeah, cool. Yeah. I think I want the 10, but I also have no idea how big it is. It's much bigger than your phone. Oh. I would say maybe like a thimble the bigger than your phone. Okay. I could probably fit that in my back pocket cuz I can't get this in my front pocket anyway. So The 10 um you could fit in your back pocket. The 10 plus is ridiculous. That's for like No, I don't want that. someone with hands as big as mine. Or Ike's. <laughs> right. Just, Ike had that fucking note. You remember that? Before like he got an iPhone? Brick. Like, <laughs> it was like he had a computer that he was carrying around. I remember I went home for the holidays and my mom had gotten a note. And so she like plugged it up and put it on the dash. And I wasn't paying attention. I was like, oh, mom, when did you get a computer in your car? That's Basically. so cool. She's like, that's my phone. I was like, what the fuck is the phone? so It's too big. That's too much. It's too much. Anyways. Um, the fingerprint Hi, scanner. Girl, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> the fingerprint span- scanner on other phones is usually where the home button would be, mm-hmm. but for the S10, it's on the side button. That's the power button. Mm-hmm. If you've used the Samsung, it, the finger uh, the fingerprint scanner is on that. That's so cool. You can actually just touch your finger, register whatever fingers you want. Sometimes I'll be finagling. You can get up to three, um, and mm-hmm. press your finger on there. You don't even have to press the button. It turns on. It also has this feature where you can set up trusted devices, so if you, and trusted spaces, so like my home is a trusted space, I paired that with my fingerprint scanner, and so when I'm at home, I don't actually have to scan to unlock mm-hmm. my phone. When I think it has that too. I think so too. Yeah. I've never used it, so there we go. Other things that I really like about this, uh, there's, or things that I don't let me say things I don't like about it. Okay. I hate the Bixby button. I don't know why we have this Bixby I hate button because we it's still there. It's still there. We do not need the oh, Bixby girl, button. Oh girl, I hate Bixby. <laughs> right, it's annoying and I use Google Assistant much more than I do Bixby. Uh so that's still there. Like I said it's costly. It doesn't have an indicator light. So when you plug it up, you know, with the older phones, you can plug it up. It shows you if it's mm-hmm. uh, charging or if someone has messaged you. It doesn't have that. So it's just a blank. And that's just to further their infinity screen. So I don't like sometimes I'm like, oh, good. My phone's not blinking at me telling me to check things. But then also, you don't, don't even know. I don't know if my phone's charging correctly. I don't know if I've yeah. gotten a message. So it's like. And for like my eight, I place it on a charging pad, so I wait for it to turn red, so so I know that it's like actually charged. <laughs> so besides the fingerprint scanner being on the side, other positive points. Three, I have them. When I first got this phone, a little note floated out because I opened it like a savage, fell to the floor, I picked it up, and it said, "This phone comes with a screen protector. If you would like to get your own, you may just know that it may not work with this technology at this time." So Samsung provides you with a screen protector, um, shatterproof, uh, right off the bat. That's sweet. You don't even have to go buy one. I was like, okay, well, I guess I better be getting that if I'm paying this much money for this fucking phone. Right. So I like that. Two, um, there's wireless power sharing, which is a brand new thing. So basically what that is, this phone's battery does last a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone who works over 12 hours a day, especially when we're on set, and that like dips into the 13, 14 hour time period. Uh, having a pa- like power that can last all day is really necessary. Yeah. Um, 
I think I went with constantly being on my phone, like constantly just sitting there playing a game or something. Mm-hmm. My phone went seven hours. That was nice. with me constantly playing with it. Yeah. So with that in mind, it has wireless power sharing, which means if you have a Samsung and you need some juice, mm-hmm. then I can turn on power sharing, turn my phone over, and you can charge your phone on my phone. That's amazing. It's really cool. So it only works with the phones where you can put it on the wireless power yeah, sharing like station. Yeah, the, like the same people that had the NS, NSG? Right. NS, yeah. And because this phone has so much power, I could do that for other phones. And I think you could do it with other phones that aren't Androids, too. I've just got to wait to see and experiment. Who cares about phones that aren't? Sorry. <laughs> really, really crazy. But the number one selling point about this phone, I have never worked with a technology as powerful as the fucking 6,000 cameras on the back of this phone. The photos, like... 6,000 <laughs> I, I, I took a photo of, a, like, a really famous actor visiting set this week mm-hmm. because... Uh, one because of, that's important. Yeah, just to, like, you know, throw... throw my just because, you know, I could, like, fuck y'all. He was visiting, and an actor... Another actor's kids were on set, and they were, like, fangirling. They wanted a picture. So I took a picture of them, and then I showed them, and, ju- uh, and the guy was like... Wow, that's a really, really beautiful camera. And it really is. Like, I've taken yeah. some pictures like I've of seen, friends. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Like, this camera is, like, Alexa level, red level. Like, I can shoot some shit, and it'll look like I'm using, like, a $3,000 camera. It's so good. And people who know about this, like, or who need cameras for, like, whether they're taking, you know, recreational pictures or not, they, like, are really raving about the camera on this phone. So mm. if you were one of those people who just want to do some stuff, like if I wanted to shoot a short film with just my phone, I finally feel like I have the phone to do it. So I highly recommend the Samsung S10. Uh, I, again, I have the E, but I'm sure the other two are just as great, if not better, because they're bigger. Um, and if your phone's fucking up right now, that's probably because they did something to it so you can get this phone yeah. and pay more money. Deutsche Telekom says I can pay $100 today and then $23 a month for 36 months in order to get myself an S10. See, if you have Sprint, then... Don't nobody want that. If you upgrade, <laughs> then uh, if you get the S10 or S10 Plus, you get free, um, well, Samsung's earbuds, mm-hmm. Samsung's version yeah. of the AirPods. I didn't get those, obviously, because I got the s Tenny. But yeah. I also didn't have to pay anything up front because I was upgrading. I bought them. A, I bought them ahead of time because I was like, I don't know when I'm going to get this phone. So I have them now, but I think I just want the S10. And usually when I get a new phone, I buy it not from a network. Right. <laughs> like I buy it outright and then, you know, it just comes from wherever it comes from, either Samsung Direct or Amazon or whatever. So I just pay the full price up front, but... I'm trying to remember how much the S8 was because I feel like like this is showing me retail for $900, but I feel like retail for the S8 was $800 when I bought it. It probably was. Um, this for me was about for Sprint it was about $795. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the S8 I think that was about six ten ish. Yeah. So I mean it, it's around the same because it's like the technology is advanced but also the pricing catches up with the technology right. because who doesn't have a thing that does whatever now so i don't know i'm probably gonna get one the camera <laughs> for someone who like does things with cameras like the camera is absolutely worth it and that's for like if i want to like create art i've never and i don't s- even want to be artistic like, i just like to be extra it's crazy to have a camera that could be that beautiful 
and me actually use it for something that will benefit me like professionally I didn't think I'd be able to carry it in my pocket but it it is a beautiful camera and I hope I don't fuck it up so here's to (laughs) it'll be great hopefully in 60 or so episodes I'm not saying guys I fucked up the phone I think in 60 or so episodes you're gonna be talking about the S12 (laughs) (laughs) given like what is this 84 right yeah (laughs) (sighs) okay um I am reviewing Shrill on Hulu. Yay! I am... Let me start by saying that I am a huge Lindy West fan. I became a fan of Lindy West when she was still writing for Jezebel.com, back when Gawker was still a thing. And then she was like, you know what? I could write a whole ass book. And then she wrote this book called Shrill. And it's about um, being a feminist and being a woman and being a woman that is like bigger than your what is supposed to be I guess considered average in today's society and trying to like take up space as your own human being but also being like scared about taking up space as someone that's like technically plus sized or whatever and I just adore Lindy West and she's so funny and everything that she's on is amazing and she's great and fantastic and she's the best. Anyway, Shrill is based on Lindy West's book, also called Shrill. So I started watching this uh, a couple of days ago. It is a Hulu show that you can stream the entire first season of uh, right now. So you totally should. (laughs) Um, And it stars A.D. Bryant and Luca Jones. A.D. Bryant plays... um, who would be Lindy West's character, um, but nobody's, you know, named after who they are in real life. And there's also this actress that I did not know about who's like a black uh, African actress named Loli Adefope, I think I'm Mm. saying that right, Mm -hmm. who is so fucking funny. So I have sort of a, like my favorite kind of humor is like a dark, dry this is only funny if you know me really well kind of humor. Okay. And this is the kind of humor that is in Shrill. It's right up your alley. So, it's so good. So, like, second episode, for example, like, um, 80s character works for a newspaper. And she goes to a strip club to write an article about, well, she's supposed to write an article about buffets at the strip club. Because they're either, like, really great or really terrible. Nothing in between. But she gets there, and it's the middle of the damn day. So she goes to sit down to eat her wings, and a bunch of strippers come up. And she's like, oh, no, I'm just eating. And they're like, oh, yeah, if somebody's here, we have to dance. So then she gets into a whole conversation with these strippers about life as a stripper and XYZ. And it's just the things that she finds out about, like, waxing your asshole for example for instance right which is something that you would not have to professionally concern yourself with if you weren't in that specific line of work so then she ends up writing that article that whole conversation was funny the fact that she that her roommate who is played by uh lolly or lolly i'm not saying i'm not sure how to say it but lolly yeah that's her lolly yeah that sounds familiar adifope oh Um, okay okay yeah so her roommate like maces her ex-boyfriend at some point and same episode as the stripper episode I think he like threatens to take her to civil court and she was like civil court costs $40 do you have $40 <laughs> like that's the kind of shit that I think is hilarious yeah 
Um, so it is, there are parts of it that are really, um, that are really like powerful for women because I think there are the times that she feels uncomfortable in her own skin. I think we can all relate to. Um, I, I saw, I haven't watched the show yet because mm-hmm. it came in throats. Yeah. But I saw a clip of, of her just like being at a party and it was all these other girls who are average size mm-hmm. just dancing and like being free. And then like you could see her being like insecure at first, but then she finally lets loose and just has fun. And I teared up at that because yeah, it, I mean, even if like I, like even if you don't aren't the same size, I can mm-hmm. feel like all women have felt that way. Yeah, and it was just kind of cool to see someone like you know break out of their shell and just have some fun. There are a lot of moments like that. There's this moment where she was like taking a picture of this uh, photo. I think it was in the pilot. It, uh, this photo in. Um, a coffee shop of somebody that's like doing a cycling class or whatever and that woman is also in the shop so she talks to her but she was like no I'm not interested and the woman says something about her body and she's like fuck you as she walks off Mm -hmm. and then a woman like blows up on her and she was like I wasn't I didn't want to help you anyway you like fat bitch or something like that and it's just like wow I can't exist in this space and mind my goddamn business without you saying something about how much I weigh Uh, and also I want to things I want to like reiterate a point reiterate reiterate a point I said I think last episode of the episode before the guy who won a Oscar for a green book also wrote and directed Shallow How yeah but Lindy West and, um, oh my God, what's his name? Um, Lauren Michaels produce Shrill. Okay. So if you like yes. SNL. I love Lauren Michaels. Like, this is your, this is going to be your shit. It's really good. It's funny. Um, there's some pretty heavy stuff. Like, um, probably some trigger warnings would be necessary. She does get an abortion in, in the first, uh, um, first Jeez, what is not not first series, first season? Jeez, <laughs> um, which I would have liked to know about because the way that they film it is pretty intense. So I would just like you know have liked to know that. But it is a really really good show. It's funny. It touches on all the right things and yeah. everything. Everybody that is diverse in the show is diverse without it being the focal point. People are gay without it being like. A gay character. Yeah. Checkpoint. Or being like, like super flamboyant. Yeah. Like they just are who they are and that's their character. Right. You know, and it's fine. So I would highly recommend this show. Which it's very good. Happy to see because I felt like Dialand was going for that. That yeah. was on um AMC. But it fell through on like, these holes because it like fell back on the oh I'm fat, like this is the problem with me. Yeah. It's trope. And it's just like that's not a problem. Right. <laughs> like, you you are who you are, and you shouldn't have to be ashamed. Pigeonhole. Yeah. It's, yeah, so it's so good. I adore Lindy I'm West. excited. I'm definitely going to watch it after I'm done. Yay! Living in this Thrones cave. Mm-hmm. Okay, you should. All right, I guess we'll move on to... What did I call this? I called this... Would you rather Trump edition? So we all edition. What did I say? <laughs> so we've all played. Would you rather? Um, you know, would you rather have ten arms or ten legs? Shit like that. But this is a Donald Trump edition, meaning that all the questions that I am about to ask Ashley are specifically related to Donald Trump. Okay. Gonna be great. Are you ready? No. Okay. But go ahead. Okay. 
Oh no. Okay, there it is. <laughs> I was keeping it in my Google <laughs> in my Google Keep and then it like closed itself. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather get get caught hacking your own election or get caught colluding with people investigating the hacking of your own election? Mm. And why? Would I rather get caught hacking the election or colluding with people investigating my hacking? Yeah. Hacking the election. Mm, why? If, like, I'm thinking of the perspective that everybody is probably thinking of. <laughs> I think the reasons why I'm hacking my election need to be portrayed and talked about. So why would I do this thing? If I were, so let's say this is scandal and I'm hacking the election. <laughs> let's say this, okay. I want to collude with the people who are like investigating this so they don't know that I'm hacking my own collection, uh, collection, election, mm-hmm. so that way I can become president. I think that, I don't necessarily think um, hacking an election for my own gain, just to become president, is as bad as doing it for someone else in power. Okay. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. My, my, my mind hurts. Okay. Um, would you rather okay. find out that your husband has been cheating with a porn star or find out that your husband has been cheating with Vladimir Putin? <laughs> Vladimir Putin. Okay. Because he's scary. <laughs> <laughs> You feel like, yeah, I feel like I wouldn't be able to take Vladimir Putin as well as I could take, like, just a general porn star, although they may be very fit. You know, if it's a porn star, they could possibly also be doing sex work on the side, Mm -hmm. which means they're working a profession. Right. I can't be upset with them. But if you're doing this for Vladimir Putin, (laughs) the leader of Russia, who we had a cold war with for, like, what, 30 years? Right. Who just makes people disappear? That's questionable because then it's like, well, if I say something, am I just going to disappear? <laughs> the Russian mafia That's is very true. infiltrated in the United States. I'll tell you. i tell you what. Okay. I was going to keep this question for second to last, but I'm going to ask it now because that's a good lead in. Okay. Would you rather be Vladimir Putin's bitch or be Kim Jong-un's bitch? Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Do I really have to answer this? Come on, it's going to be great. Um, First of all, I'm Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus doesn't know how to pick between the worst of two evils. Oh my God. Because I see all good in men. Mm -hmm. But I can't see it right now. That's why I was going to save it. That's why I was going to save it. But, like, I mean, you let so I cut well. my own throat on this one. I cannot answer this question. You can't. Come on, come on, come I on. I die. On. Okay. Um, <laughs> Vladimir Putin. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> Kim Jong-un. Okay. At least he was, like, able enough to call our president a dotard and taught me a brand new word. Yeah, yeah. That's the only saving grace I can give because they're both terrible people. Terrible, terrible, terrible people. Okay. Um, would you li- Would you rather literally lie all the time or literally be disgusting all the time? I would rather literally lie all the time. <laughs> you know how much of a germaphobe I am? I can't be yeah. disgusting all the time. That's true. 
But if I'm lying all the time and people get tired of my shit, then they ain't going to be around to say anything about it. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Would you rather not be able to spell or not have any self-awareness? Oh, shit. <laughs> I would rather not be able to spell. Okay. Uh, self-awareness is important. You need that so that way you don't actually look like an idiot. Mm -hmm. Not spelling things is not that bad. Oftentimes, I like to use big words sometimes. (laughs) Like, often. Or times. (laughs) Kidding. But sometimes I'll think of a word and then I'll write it down and it looks confusing. So Mm -hmm. then I'll spell it a different way. And that was wrong. I was right the first time. (laughs) So if I misspell a word, that doesn't make me less intelligent. Right. You can still learn how to spell Yeah, you can still know things and not be able to spell correctly. Me not being aware, like, (laughs) that would make me sad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Would you rather get busted in a massage parlor (laughs) with a madam or get busted calling African nations shithole countries? I feel like you picked a very strategic week to just <laughs> ask me questions and not have to answer them yourself. And Which I realize you could also answer these questions yourself. Too. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, which is worse, racism or human trafficking? <laughs> That's what you're asking me. Yes. <laughs> but it's all about your preference. Um... I would rather get busted calling African countries shitholes. Okay. Because <laughs> you're making me choose. <laughs> That's a good reason. Uh, Last question. Okay. I hope no one ever soundbites that. Would you rather have to be Donald Trump for two weeks or be Thomas Jefferson for two weeks? <laughs> um, <laughs> I would rather be... Donald Trump for two weeks. Okay. I don't think I can stomach actually owning slaves. Okay. I don't think I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you answer this one yourself. You gotta answer this one. I mean, I think Donald Trump disgusts me. <laughs> um, but I wonder, like, if I was Thomas Jefferson... Could I free my slaves and just go get some lemonade? That's not in his uh, wheelhouse. He could have done that shit from the beginning. Of the That's true. Day. I mean, I guess I'd have to be Donald Trump so for two you- weeks. Because I'm, I'm here now. And I could just be like, I declare myself not president anymore. Scene. <laughs> and then just. So, yeah, I guess I would have to. But mm. tough choice. I don't <sighs> want to be either one of them. I don't <laughs> ever want to play that game ever again. Put that one in the Disney vault. <laughs> <laughs> to come out. In right, 11 years. Put it away from now on. So that was the game. That we'll was take a break. A terrible game. <laughs> <laughs> the Pretty Witty Podcast is proud to support our host, Jay, on the publishing of her new book. Want to escape reality and enjoy a feel good story? Well, check out Mostly Love, book one in the Spring Branch series by Jaina Fontenot. Mostly Love tells the story of Melody Taylor, a young woman who recently moved back to her hometown to open a new business. 
She has no intention of falling in love, but friends, family, and fate have other ideas. To enjoy a story about overcoming self-doubt and giving into someone else completely, check out Mostly Love by Jaina Fontenot, wherever ebooks are sold. And now, back to the show. Hello. Press the goddamn buttons! <laughs> Rush hour. <laughs> I'm really excited for it to come back. How do you feel about the re... <sighs> well, it's not a reboot. It's just no. been a while. Yeah. I don't know. I like Jackie Chan. I like Jackie Chan, too. I think people should leave, like, things that are well enough alone, though. Do you think... We're really bad at that as Americans. We are. I agree. But do you think, like, they need to, to leave it alone? I think... Everything should be left alone if it's done well enough the first time. Mm-hmm. You know? You're right. We did get three. We like, we're about three. to get a Bad Boys 3. We don't need a Bad Boys 3. Well, they never did three, though. They never did, like, a trilogy. I don't I could do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, speaking of which, like, we, we've raved about this upcoming Lion King movie, which we'll have more to discuss in a little bit mm-hmm. after you're done. But how do you feel about this Aladdin movie now? Now that you've seen a full trailer? Hmm. I feel a little bitter. A little. Little. Yeah. I think I'm going to need to see the entire thing. I am one of those people that is mostly nostalgia and I am less welcoming to new shit than I think other people are. And I just want, I just want everything to be the way that it was when I was three. (laughs) Why can't we all just be how we were when I was three? (laughs) Why can't we go back there? I would like that. So I just, I don't know. It's going to be, it'll be fine. I'm excited to see it. I want to see it. But I, I don't know. I'm also like excited to see Dumbo. Oh, just so you know, I'm taking you on a date for this. Like I'm making you go see Aladdin with me. Okay. Just so you know. That's fine. I will treat you and wine you and dine you. I want wine. And treating you like the woman you're with. And I, where are we going to Alamo? Like, (laughs) it's a. Where are we going? Whole new. Oh my god. Yeah, you just had to do that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to an album. Okay, perfect. <laughs> and with that, we'll go to... We are talking about interracial relationships. This segment, two weeks, time period, existence. We're talking about interracial relationships. And I don't just mean, like, romantic relationships. And I don't just mean cis or heterosexual or those type of relationships i mean like friendships i mean like co-workers i mean just like person of one race talking to somebody that is a person of another race and whatever that becomes because this is really it's like a, a weird dynamic always especially if you don't know somebody that well or if you're navigating something you've never navigated before uh-huh. and i find that like the less you know someone, the more difficult it gets, or the weirder you feel around someone, even if you do know them that well, the weirder it gets. Right. So we're going to spend this episode, uh, this segment, talking about the two different types um, of like romantic relationships versus friendships, and then um, just talk to each other about you know, what kind of interracial relationships we've had. And then we'll talk to some other people and get into some more details in the next episode. So interracial relationships. 
we kind of know what those are. Uh, I think on the most basic level, it means like you identify as a race and or ethnicity Mm -hmm. and you are in a relationship, either romantic or non-romantic with someone that is not the same race or ethnicity as you and or they don't identify as that race or ethnicity. Um, and I think that at this point, and this is just me speculating because I haven't, I haven't found anything online that supports this. I think that standard romantic relationships that are interracial are more common at this point than standard friendships as they would be defined as interracial. Right. And here's why I say that. I found this article um, called What You Should Know About Interracial Friendship by uh, Nadra Niddle uh, last year. And she says, in reality, interracial friendships remain relatively uncommon. Racially segregated schools neighborhoods and workplaces contribute to this trend but even in diverse settings interracial friendships tend to be the exception rather than the rule racial stereotypes and prejudice inevitably color how different racial groups perceive each other resulting in divisions that pose challenges to present potential cross-cultural friendships Mm -hmm. while government agencies such as the u.s census bureau collect data on interracial marriage there is no definitive way to determine how common interracial friendships are Simply asking people if they have a friend of a different race has proven to be ineffective, given that the public is likely to include mere acquaintances as friends in an effort to appear open-minded. Accordingly, in 2006, uh... Demographer Brent Berry set out to discover how common interracial friendships are by examining more than 1,000 photographs of wedding parties. Berry reasoned that people typically include their closest friends in wedding parties, leaving little doubt that the members of such parties would be true friends of the bride and groom. Those featured in the wedding party photos uh, were of black, white, and Asian origin, or what Barry classified as other race. To say that Barry's results were eye-opening would be an understatement. The demographer found that 3.7% of whites were close enough to their black friends to include them in their wedding parties. Meanwhile, 22.2% of black people included white groomsmen and bridesmaids in their wedding parties. Hmm. That's six times the amount of whites who included blacks in theirs. Interesting. So I found this really interesting. Yeah. Um... Do you do you consider yourself um, a close friend? Do you consider somebody of a different race a close friend of yours? I did. Okay. Until things happened. Okay. We're not as close anymore. And now that I'm reflecting on it, most of my friends are just black. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just black. Um, but for those friends, we until it's one of those things where it's like uh, you. You start enjoying things less when you become more woke. So, yeah, starting, especially when we started the show, is about the same time with those friends who are not black, where I started realizing issues mm-hmm. that should be addressed. And if they were addressed, they were just kind of like, you know, swept under a rug. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's. It's really weird. But then it's, it's also really weird to talk about that because then I think about work and a lot of the people that I traverse and discuss things with and kiki with and have fun with, they're all non-black because there's not that many black people. There's yeah. not any black people at work. Right. So there's also that. 
it's a really weird dynamic. It's weird. I felt like this that whole stat lined up with me because I have one friend who is white who I think is probably one of the best friends I've ever had in the world. And she is very, you know, she's a white woman, mm-hmm. but she's very attuned to whatever I'm trying to communicate as far as like the injustices of the world. Okay. So she's very into listening. She's into understanding. And I consider her like, if and when I ever get married, she's definitely in my wedding party. But this made me think like, am I in hers? What defines me as a friend to her, Right. you know, converse to what defines her as a friend to me. So I found that really interesting. Although I do consider her like one of the best people on the planet, one of my favorite people to talk to, one of my best friends. I just don't, there's, there's a different differentiation there and I can't exactly plant how or where that happened. So it's interesting. There's, there's also like the fact to think of I lost my train of thought. Okay. I'm not talking slower to sound more pronounced. <laughs> I'm talking slower because I forgot what I was going. I'm pensive. <laughs> but I don't know what about. It'll come back to me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh wait, no, no, no. Okay. okay. Um, interesting. I think also where you grow up and the people that you're surrounding yourself with mm. takes, is a factor for this. So since I worked in, I mean worked, since I grew up in a military town. You worked um, there too. <laughs> I did. Snow cone shop. Mr. Snow. Please go to Mr. Snow Shaved Ice. Um, I think that being in the specific type of environment I was in, like all of the white, like people who were not black that were in that area were super, super kin to everybody who was black. Mm -hmm. And it was very equal. Like it was very equal the amount of people in the populations. Like we were a very black city. Yeah. Which you don't really see very often. So the people that I grew up with and the people that I consider my friends who were not black also grew up in this environment so then i just now am thinking about their friends yep and there are very few they're white they're mixed white and asian they have very few very very few um white friends i don't remember them ever bringing any white friends around or anything like that yeah so that's a very different dynamic i don't know if necessarily that factors into yeah And it also brings to mind the question of, would that dynamic be different if the person in question were not white? So if this person were of Middle Eastern descent or Asian descent or um, Latinx descent, would that change the dynamic? Would you be more comfortable with that? Would they be more comfortable with you? Mm -hmm. Um, Which is something I... Well, we'll get to that when we talk about romantic relationships. Yeah, let's get to that. <laughs> so that's just friendships and that's just like barely touching on it but getting to romantic relationships is a lot more complicated because there's a lot of political stuff that wasn't that nobody ever really paid attention to with like friendships it was illegal to get married to somebody <laughs> outside of your race in a lot of countries up until recently um interracial marriage is a form of marriage outside a specific social social group 
involving spouses who belong to different socially defined race, races or racialized ethnicities. In the past, it was outlawed in the United States of America and in South Africa uh, as apartheid as miscegenation. It became legal in the entire United States in 1967, which I think my mom was eight. Uh, She was seven? No, she was six. She would murder me. She was born in 1961. She was six. When the Supreme Court of the United States ruled... In Loving versus Virginia, that race-based restrictions on marriages violated the Equal Protection Clause of the United States Constitution. Many jurisdictions have had regulations banning or restricting not just interracial marriage, but also interracial sexual relations, including Germany during the Nazi period, South Africa under apartheid, and many states in the United States prior to 1967 uh, and, and that Supreme Court decision. So... Uh, friendships were definite interracial friendships were definitely frowned upon but they were not illegal because you could not in technical terms like make a person out of your friendship right you could definitely make a person out of a sexual or romantic relationship Mm -hmm. so they sought to make those things illegal and they did Uh, which brings us to miscegenation so That is a word that I was not super familiar with before I started researching this topic because I was like, interracial marriage. I know what that is. Interracial relationships. I know what those are. Um, But miscegenation is the quote unquote mixing Mm -hmm. (laughs) of different racial groups through marriage, cohabitation, sexual relations, or procreation, particularly mixing that is perceived to negatively impact the purity of a particular race or culture. And I am air quoting as I say that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Purity? Okay. Anti-miscegenation is a prominent theme of white supremacy. Yeah. The mixing of the races. The race mixing. It's a bad. So the entire, not the entire reason, because who knows why white supremacists do their white supremacist things. But... Uh, one of their reasons is because they want everybody that they know that's white to stay super duper squeaky white. Uh, and miscegenation <laughs> is uh, is working against that in a way. Because, you know, say a white woman falls in love with like a Latin, Latinx man and they have a baby. That baby ain't squeaky white. That's a problem for them. Uh, quote, though the notion that racial, racial mixing... Jeez, racial mixing (laughs) is undesirable, has arisen at different points in history. It gained particular prominence in Europe during the area of colonialism. The term miscegenation entered the English language in the 19th century as racial segregation began to become more formalized in the United States of America. Uh, It was used specifically to refer to interracial marriage and interracial sexual relations. The term came to be associated with laws banning interracial marriage and sex known as anti-miscegenation laws. That term is virtually always used to refer to racist ideologies when speaking about mixed-race relationships in a more neutral context, terms such as interracial, interethnic, or even cross-cultural are more common in contemporary usage. Okay. So, um, I... I'm gonna ask you a question first, and then I'm gonna talk about my things. Okay. Uh, have you ever been in an interracial relationship? Yes. Okay. Um, what was your, if you had to give an overall feeling or overall, 
not grade, but like a what you came away with that relation from that relationship with, what would you say that that was? So I am including this, but this was not while I was an adult. Okay. So it was while I was a kid. Yeah. Um, I, there were issues mm-hmm. that made me aware of race mm-hmm. because of this relationship. He openly said to me that he couldn't date me because his mom said no. Mm-hmm. And until later on, it was apparent that it was because I was black. Right. Which, I'm light-skinned. <laughs> I'm super light-skinned. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I never wear my, my hair natural. Like, at that point, I was, like, getting rea- relaxers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, it was very apparent that, um, I think... The only reason why this woman would have known I was black is because I went to, like, a pool party, got my hair wet. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's the only reason why I knew that. And I, like I said, I grew up in a town where, like, there's all, like, it's an equal amount of non-people, non-black people Mm -hmm. and people who are white, if that makes sense. Yeah. And black people. So there's an equal amount of people of color and white people, which is very different for a place in Texas. Right. I wasn't aware of this until, like, at this point, which was around, like, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And since then, like, other people of other races have been interested. I just not had been interested in dating them. Also, yeah. Now that I'm, like, open to dating and stuff, mm-hmm. I'm very, like, oh, do I even want to try and date someone? So, do you think you would, given the like right person or I don't know and that's part of the reason is not because I'm just averse to that Mm -hmm. most of the reason is because of how you meet people and do things like that these days yeah I've I've met like white guys or people who were of different races like someone who was Indian who are like fine (laughs) and have been attracted to and had a good time but I met those people in person right that's totally different than talking about people you're meeting online my dog's being weird. I was <laughs> like, who's knocking? <laughs> but, like, that's totally different than talking right. to people who you see online. Because I'm usually attracted to black guys. Yeah. And I know they're less likely to say problematic stuff. Although they're probably going to say problematic I mean, stuff. yeah, just problematic in a different way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with that when you're dating, too. Yeah. So, how about you? Yeah, so I remember having a crush on a white boy when I was, I want to say like second through fourth grade, because we went to, we went to the elementary school together. And it never, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a child, so it never like became anything. But I didn't realize until I was older, some of the dynamics at play. So you know when they like, throw those tiny adorable dances for children that are not even really dances. Like the attend your, dance? Yeah. <laughs> like your parents bring you and you're wearing an Easter dress and you just kind of spin around on the floor and people take pictures because you're adorable because you're so small and stupid. Right. Um, I remember really wanting to dance with him at that dance. And it must have been second grade, probably. Oh, you remember far back. I, I do. I remember all my teachers from kindergarten forward. Wow. I pride myself on it. Um, I do not. And (laughs) he didn't want to. And I didn't, I didn't understand because we were, we were like really good friends in class. Um, but I realize now that his parents were there and his grandparents were there. So probably not, you know, crazy. Isn't it? 
And like in the fourth grade, my, and I've, I've told this story like on Facebook before, one of my, who I thought was a friend of mine, um, invited everyone to her birthday party and then separately pulled me aside during gym class to say that the reason that I didn't get an invitation is because her grandfather didn't like black people. So I couldn't go. So like friendships, relationships were always like a weird sort of thing. It is very weird now that we're older and thinking yeah. about it. I just think like, cause I like in elementary school, I had a white best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, we had like this production of Anastasia for why for Latchkey, mm-hmm. and um, we were practicing for it. You know, I love Anastasia, mm-hmm. and you know, I can sing. Dance and Bears, Painted Wings. Yes, yeah. You know, I can sing fairly well. And this girl was in choir, but she couldn't sing like at I all. Could sing. Yeah, and. She, so I just remember was like, I think I'm going to try an audition for the role of Anastasia. It was like fourth or fifth grade. She was like, you can't do that. And I said, why not? The fuck not? And she said, well, because Anastasia is white. And I was like, well, eventually, yeah. it was like, eventually it went to this older girl who was yeah. in fifth grade and she was black. So it was just very interesting that she said that. Yeah. And so it's like, you don't think about it. It's like they have all these, later. yeah, they have all these assumptions. And there are things that you, you just never know how much of what happened to you was about your race. Because even now. Or because you're obnoxious. Because uh, <laughs> I know I can be an obnoxious person. So my cousin uh, is interracial because her mother is of Colombian heritage and her father <laughs> <She> is interracial. <laughs> a specific brand of New Orleans nigga shit. So, um, she, I mean, she's like a grown woman at this point. She's like graduating from LSU with a degree in nursing and she's fantastic and perfect and I love her. And, but sometimes she feels like, am I in a interracial relationship? Because what is my race? <laughs> Um, so I just, I just wonder as someone who's just like mostly Negro, <laughs> Oh yes, how yeah. you feel, 53, 50, what did I say? You 50, shut up. 52%. <laughs> I think that's around my Negro, <laughs> but it is mostly Negro. Anything over 50 is mostly Negro. But like from, from your perspective, what do you consider interracial? What do you, you know, take into account, if anything, with regard to interracial relationships? So, for me, interracial relationships would just be someone out that someone outside what you identify as your race. So, for example, I am biracial, mm-hmm. but I identify as black mm-hmm. because uh, wherever the fuck I am, they're just be like, "Oh, you're black," and with what? <laughs> Right. But that's what you're identified as. I don't really even know if we're truly, like, any type of Hispanic. We're just probably some white, which <laughs> makes my mother mad whenever I mention that. But I'm like, Mom, that's what the genetic test said. So, <laughs> And because of my specific upbringing, I had some issues with family. Well, not me, my mom. Mm-hmm. She had issues with family members not accepting my, myself and my sister. And being very, like, you got some niggers in your family. Like, Mm -hmm. hard ER. Mm -hmm. So she had to deal with that. Mm -hmm. She is the only person on her side of the family that lives outside of New Mexico. And that is definitely because she decided to be in a relationship with someone who is not... I'll say Mexican because we don't know. (laughs) Or so... Who who knows? Um, But someone who is not Latinx. So... Mm -hmm. 
and him being black that caused plot problems mm-hmm. and the way for her to fix them was to leave yeah. and figure it out later uh, the issues that my sister and I have had, I, I code more as black because I have textured hair and because I have big lips, <laughs> things like <laughs> things that are very coded as black. Mm-hmm. While my sister, she's very, um, Latinx passing. Mm-hmm. Neither of us speak Spanish. And I guess right when both of us open our mouths is when the issues arise mm-hmm. for anyone who considers us just Hispanic. Because mm-hmm. I'm also racially ambiguous. So mm-hmm. people can think I'm Asian. People can think I'm th- some sort of mixed. Mm-hmm. They can think a lot of things because right. I just look weird. So there's that. As far as relationships go, I because of the experience I had growing up with my own family and watching my mother and father in this relationship I always felt it would be easier to to date or love people who are black Mm -hmm. because that's how I identify myself Mm -hmm. and I haven't swayed from that um and now that I'm an older person traversing the dating world Mm -hmm. without having experience in it it's a very weird thing I'm very yeah. weary of white guys because of how woke I am and them saying something that's going to be like, I gave you my number already. I've had this number mm-hmm. since 8th grade. Now i got to deal with this bullshit. Yeah. Those things. And also just because of how guys on the internet are, mm-hmm. period. So it's a very weird situation to be in. I don't know if I'm open to it. I yeah. haven't, re- But I ha- also haven't really tried it. So yeah. there's that. I'm sort of along the same lines. I'm not very trusting in general with relationships. And I think I just want to make any relationship that I think about getting into or get into as easy as possible. And I know that there's friction between people that are, that come from different backgrounds in whatever form that takes. Question for you. I think we pride ourselves on being as knowledgeable and Mm -hmm. able to spread knowledge as we are about different things, Mm -hmm. specifically about genders, race, um, sex, identity. Right. We try. We we try to know. Could you date someone who doesn't believe those things? And do you think that the people that won't believe those things won't look like you? So, I... I think that we do a lot of, like, social work in a way, right? We're always trying to communicate what is for the greater good in some capacity or another. But I want my relationships to be, like, me not having to be on the clock all the time. Right. You know? Like, I want to be able to say some shit in, in like, a private situation where you'd be like, yep. And me not have to explain what that means to you, <laughs> you know, be- and it, whether it be because you are from a similar racial or socioeconomic or whatever background, you get me, you know. So I think that that's probably easier with somebody that looks like me and who has come from the same sort of place that I have. But that's what I'm looking for. So I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm you know, looking to, I'm not looking to like educate someone. Cause I think people who get together, who don't know 
everything already about each other and about the way the other person lives can educate each other and and come together and make a better relationship but not someone that's just so far off base (laughs) that I can't you know that I just can't um so I don't know It's, it's it's weird because I feel like it's not impossible for me to have a relationship with someone that's outside of my race I feel like it's more difficult than it would be (laughs) that's where the issue arises right the difficulty and the ability to want to just relax and i've put in work in relationships on basic stuff Mm -hmm. and those basic things had understanding on the other side race was not one of those things that i had to deal with in putting in that work yeah and that's where the problem arise because i feel like race is a lot of work already and that has nothing to do with romantic relationships over here right and i don't know if i necessarily want to add that. yeah it's just like not one of those undercurrents that i'm salivating over like we saw we saw michelle williams nobody wants that (laughs) and we see what's (laughs) happening with megan markle like yeah (laughs) like look at all of the things if she was just white then she wouldn't have to be dealing with half of the things not her family coming out in droves i don't think i think yeah (laughs) um not like the tabloids it's saying the shit that they say it's so it's really difficult or let's even think back to when fka fka twigs was engaged to robert pattinson like being in relate an interracial relationship is difficult Mm -hmm. fka twigs she's weird she's cool she makes cool music she didn't have as much as a worry as when she came out, well, they came mm-hmm. out as engaged. And then people started spouting off this racist shit online. You yep. have to deal with that shit. And it's unfair, because, like, that's not, that's not even coming from within your relationship. Right. That's just, like, external, but it's still something that you have to deal with. And in my opinion, I feel like that affected their relationship. Because I think it did, too. They I, it's are hard not to together right now. not let it do that. I mean... People always got some shit to say about everything, but then, that especially. There are inter- interracial relationships that have worked fantastic, like mm-hmm. uh, Dirk Nowitzki and his wife. And oh, yeah! <laughs> they're amazing. Or um, there's... Oh, can I name more? I want to try and not name more, like, more black and white relationships. Yeah. It's harder to name those that, I guess you could say, fall in the middle. Mm-hmm. Priyanka, well, even think about Priyanka Chopra and Nick and Mm -hmm. that horrible article that came out when they had gotten married and she's like a huge Bollywood star. She is the idol of like billions of people and for her to be like equated to just like some gold digger doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that's the thing. Like so much is centered around whiteness that that's the thing that's tough for me. And I think that's why I feel like it's probably easier, even though I have no context for this. Like, I feel like it's probably easier to have a relationship with someone whose whiteness doesn't have to be the center of everything all the time. Oh, true, true. Um, But, like, that's not to say that there's not, like, probably a white guy that's fantastic and who is open to understanding all the things about being a person of color. But woo, that's got to be tired getting like getting us both to that point where we could <laughs> where we could have that kind of relationship. So anyway, next time we will talk to humans 
that have been in interracial relationships or are in them or are considering them or just have thoughts about them um we may or may not depending on how much um delicate research i can do uh get into um this phenomenon of black men and white women um that may or may not come i just don't know at this point because wow uh, everything that I found leads me back to Twitter. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but we will definitely get into this more next week. All right. Yeah. Do you have any random thoughts? Um, well, I, I have s- hiccups. I said that I miss Mike Jones at the top of this episode, so nothing else is really needed. This isn't really a random thought. But it's so late. We got an event coming up next Wednesday at with partnering with the Alamo Draft House we're hosting a Alamo Draft House <laughs> I have hiccups a special screening of Us the next vision, visionary film from Jordan Peele god damn I fucking hate hiccups oh um we're going to bring some special guests to the screen <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna watch the movie and talk about it and then have them talk about afterwards oh my gosh yeah so uh exactly what she said without the awkward pauses um it's gonna be great uh you should totally buy tickets if if you want to see the movie anyway you i mean you're gonna buy tickets anyway so just buy tickets and come see it with us (laughs) it's gonna be fantastic um we're gonna talk before and after and we're gonna have panelists and surprises and there's gonna be a band i'm just kidding there's not gonna be a band but it's gonna be really really fantastic so you should come uh if you are in the austin area next wednesday yes please it's gonna start at 6 45 at the mueller location for alamo draft house it's my favorite draft house also we have two free tickets to give away so if you're listening to this episode and you want to come to this special screening oh my god yes you should send us a DM on any of our social media sites. Yep. I'm not going to na- name them to make the chase For the challenge, yeah. yeah. Just DM that one reason why you love our show. <laughs> like, yeah. do that. Or something we could fix. Or just, yeah, just like, say something. Say something to us. But if you DM us, we have it's a free ticket. two tickets to give away, and we would happen to give any of them to our And listeners. the food is free with this ticket, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. So, like, so. free ticket, free food. Come on. Yes. Anyways, uh, this is hopefully the start of a beautiful partnership with the Alamo Draft House. Who we love. And if we do this one well, then we'll get to do the line. And the Mueller's my favorite. I love... Mueller is a great yeah. Alamo Draft House. The bar, um, oh my god, what is it called? <laughs> it's like a clown-themed thing. I don't remember. I've only been there once. Shit. Uh, anyway, I'm always there and I'm drinking at the bar, so. <laughs> so please. It's awkward that I can't remember. Again, buy your tickets. You can find the tickets <sighs> at our Facebook page. We just posted a post about this event. Go buy tickets. Or DM us. Yep. And Twitter. Tell us. Instagram. How we can better this show. Maybe something like that. That would be great. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No, man. Uh, I just want people to come next Wednesday and see us and hang out with us. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. And it could be, again, the start of a beautiful relationship with the draft house. I hope so. I do too. I want to do this all summer. Yes. To you guys, we say cheers.